Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem mm. with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. There's a very famous saying in business recruitment, hiring, and that is be slow to hire and quick to fire. Let me say that again. Be slow to hire and quick to fire. Now, I believe often conventional wisdom uh, is not the best applicable strategies and tactics in the real world on the street of business and entrepreneurship. I often feel things are made to rhyme, to sound good, but actually are wrong. For example, fake it till you make it. Sounds nice, rhymes, but I would never recommend anyone fake it. Um, I prefer be it till you see it. And that's just one example. So I'm going to turn this on its head. They call me the disruptive entrepreneur for a reason. So most people say be slow to hire and quick to fire. Well, in this video and podcast episode, I'm going to turn it on its head and I'm going to challenge you to be quick to hire and slow to fire. Now, the thing with employment that I see, and by the way, whether you're a one man band or, you know, an entrepreneur who doesn't even have a VA yet, or you're a big corporate monster, I believe the rules are the same when it comes to hiring. And if there's the most common thing I see people do wrong when it comes to staff and hiring, it's that they blame the person, uh, hired the wrong person, they didn't do the job very well, um, or maybe, you know, they, they blame the um, recruitment agency, um, instead of taking full and personal responsibility as an employer. Now, by the way, when you take full and personal responsibility as an employer, can you still get it wrong? Yes. Have I got it wrong many times? Yes. Have I probably employed good people and not given them the right resources to do a great job? Yes. And so I'm going to share with you what I've learned in the real world. We have nearly 100 staff. We maxed out at 95, I think, before the lockdown. Um, and, and I have probably hired, I don't know if it's a thousand staff, but it is many hundreds of staff over the last 15 years. I've learned a lot and um, I'm going to take full and personal responsibility uh, in this episode. So I have seven things that I believe you must do as an employer of one, a hundred and one or a thousand and one if you want to maximize hiring. Now, before I share with you those seven things, um, I had some mentorship with James Kahn from Dragon's Den in 2010. This is a decade ago. And he said to me face to face, and I really couldn't believe this at the time, but he said, Rob, it'll cost you about £25,000 per hire on average. And I couldn't believe that. And when he explained it to me, he said, look, you've got the recruitment fee. You know, that can be 15% of the salary or more. You've got the onboarding you've got the training, you've got the loss of revenue as you're training them up that could take months. Then you've got the loss of revenue for the months that they're demotivated and distracted before they leave. And when you add all of that up, that could have a net cost 
um, immediately seen or unseen of about 25 grand. And I like to remember that whether that is right or wrong doesn't really matter. What it reminds me of is to take every single hire seriously because I don't want to be wasting 25 grand every time. Now, when I've seen an unmotivated staff member or a staff member in the wrong role or the wrong person for the job or the right person, but not trained and mentored properly, I have seen this where for six or 12 months they've been on idle and they've cost me tens of thousands of pounds in lost revenue and opportunity. And you often only find that out when they leave because they do a good job of covering it all up. Now, again, remember I'm saying here, full and personal responsibility on you, the employer, Um, So I'm not I'm saying that this is on them. I'm taking responsibility. Right. So one of the reasons why be slow to hire and quick to fire, I reckon, is one sided at best and wrong at worst is I reckon you should be quicker to hire um, because I think you should have a PA, a VA, an ops manager and outsourcers much more quickly than you're currently probably doing. It really is quite easy now to pay people per hour. You know, you've got all these outsourcing websites. You can pay people per hour now. You can get part-time staff. You don't have to have full-time members of staff straight away. You can have a a global remote workforce. So I would say the quicker you are to hire, the more likely you are to scale and get a better employer. So if you think about it, your first few hires really, what are they? They are practicing. They are your apprenticeship of becoming a good employer. And I've employed family. I've employed friends. I've employed people who've been referred by family and friends. I've employed people from various different recruitment agents. And certainly um, our early hires weren't necessarily, some of them were good, by the way. I've still got family members who've been with me 15 years later. Um, Some of our top level managers have been with us a decade now, nearly. So we've certainly done some good things in recruitment. But in the early days to get by, you know, maybe to save a bit of money on recruitment fees or salaries, you know, you might sort of bob and weave, hustle a bit and employ friends and family. And that's probably for another episode. And that might get you to a point. But I would argue you should actually be quick to hire. Now, when people say be slow to hire, what they mean, I think, is a good recruitment process, a good interview process, you know, doing personality profiling, second and third stage interviews, not just choosing someone just because they've got a pulse or because you're desperate for the role. And whilst I do agree with that, I also think that to a certain degree, the recruitment process is a bit of a lottery. Um, And Mark and I, my business partner, are always saying to each other, in reality, you don't know what a staff member is like until they've been with you three months or six months or even 12 months sometimes. I don't know if you've ever dated someone and you were infatuated by them a year year down the line. When you really got to know them, you were like, oh, they sold me well here. They gave me a great pitch and now, (laughs) yeah. Um, And, you know, obviously, and this is okay to say, by the way, but um, someone that you're interviewing, they're going to put their best foot forward. They're going to show you their best side. Uh, I I don't want to sound too sceptical, but I have found that even the most honest of people, they will tell fibs in interviews because they want the job. They need to feed their family and they need to pay their mortgage. So the the interview process, you you can put strategies and tactics in and various stages of interviews and personality profiling and clever questions. Um, to maybe weed out um, people who are less likely to succeed. Um, But in reality, three, six, 12 months, then you really know what your your staff member is. And this is why, what I'm going to show you, the seven steps, this is why they're vital. Uh, And in reality as well, sometimes you're not fishing from the greatest talent pool. Sometimes you haven't got 28 or 58 people from Silicon Valley who you can choose for the one job and you can run an apprentice style interview process. Sometimes you've got one and a half people and that you, you so all you've got is all you've got. 
Hi, it's Rob here, interrupting you with something you may not know about me. I was one of the few people on the planet hand-selected by Facebook to pilot their new supporter program. It's a very small premium model where you can get exclusive content and advance notice or discount of new products and services. So this is what I've done for you. Not only can you get best discounts for any training that we might run, not only do you get notified first of any launches we do, we also do supporter meetups, supporter dinners, supporter WhatsApp groups where you have a, a deeper community. I do supporter only ask me anything. I do supporter only content and podcasts. We have a community of 2,500 supporters and I'd love to give you the chance to be one of those. I believe this is the best supporter program in the whole world. Find me a better one, but I don't think you will. So the link is bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. That's bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R. I believe the gap between free content and paid content is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's a lot of free content out there that's maybe not that good. And for just a few dollars a month, you can get the best content on business, on entrepreneurship, on starting up, on scaling up, on sales, on marketing, on the mindset of being an entrepreneur. So go to bit.ly forward slash Rob Supporter with a capital R right now. Now, if you follow these seven steps, I think you actually could turn average candidates into good ones, good ones into great ones, and so you give yourself your best chance. But what a lot of people are doing is turning good candidates into bad ones. So here they are then. Um, I say be quick to hire and slow to fire. Now let's move to the slow to fire part. This quick to fire thing, okay, when you really know someone is wrong, you should get, you know, move them on much more quickly, whether that is allow them to leave or agree a settlement um, or give them some quite strong performance management that, you know, they need to live up to, but maybe that's hard to live up to. And then they get the realization on their own that they should move on. I do agree. Once a staff member has gone bad, you should move them on. But actually, why you should be slow to fire is number one, you need to give your staff all the resources they need to do a great job. And in the early days of recruitment, Mark and I, wouldn't, they wouldn't even have a computer yet on their desk because we hadn't ordered it from Dell or it hadn't been delivered or it hadn't been built. And they'd actually have to come and, do you remember in the old days of Dell where you actually sort of had to build your own computer? And we'd give them a desk and they'd have to build their own computer. They wouldn't have access to the hard drive. They wouldn't have all the login details. They wouldn't have a training manual. There wouldn't be an onboarding process. So this is vital. And I see so many people hiring, especially entrepreneurs, especially people who have got themselves too busy and they haven't hired um, quick enough, which is why I say be quick to hire. And then they're like, oh, everything's going wrong. I've got too much to do. Oh, come and help me. Come and save me. Oh, I don't know what to do. Just, just take on everything. There you go. And they don't give them logins, systems, processes, training, etc. So step one is you must give your staff all the resources they need to be able to not just fulfill their job role, but do their job really well. The second thing is you need to onboard them well. And as an entrepreneur, an impatient one, this really used to piss me off in the early days. So um, our MD who's been with us a decade now, who's managed big teams, sales, you know, big sales um, organizations, been involved in big companies. Um, I remember her sitting Mark and I down and saying, look, we need to onboard our staff. And Mark and I were like, just give them the desk, give them the login and let them crack on and do the work. And she's like, no, 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 we need to onboard them, which means we need to give them a full week not doing any of the jobs in the role. And we're like, what? We're, we're, we're desperate. We need them to do the jobs now, yesterday, get them cracking on. No, 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 no. They need to go and shadow all the different departments and they need to read their training manual. They need to be shown, you know, where the staff handbook is, where the 
first aid kit is. They need to be taught, taught our culture, our vision, our values. And this all needs to happen within the first week and you can't touch them or give them any jobs. Ah, oh, that really used to frustrate Mark and I, but that was because we were too slow to hire. And when you're too slow to hire, you become desperate, you become needy, you get someone in, you chuck them in the fire, sink or swim. Entrepreneurs love to say sink or swim. Let's see what they're made of. Throw them in the fire. But all you end up doing is drowning or burning really good candidates. Because remember, you're an entrepreneur and they're not. So you can't expect them to behave like you do. I definitely think when you're hiring people, judging them on your standards, hmm. I think you're going to set yourself up for a big fail there. They say no one loves your business as well as you. And to a certain degree, I agree with that. Okay, so first thing is you've got to give the staff all the resources they need. The second thing is you've got to onboard them well. The third thing why you should be really slow to fire is you've got to train them even better than you onboard them. And so many people are hiring people and then letting them go in six months or a year or, or two, um, which is not long enough, by the way, because of all those recruitment fees that I said before, and not just in actual um, agency recruitment fees. Um, but if you haven't given them all the training, all the resources, all the support, the 360 degree feedback, you know, the performance management, the um, monthly one-to-ones where they get to give feedback on the company as well, the continual training of the vision, of the values, the upskilling of the roles, the career path, etc. If you've not given them all that, then you've not maximised their potential. And that's on you if you lose them. The fourth thing then is you've got to give them continual balanced feedback to grow. Now, some people are only given harsh feedback, negative feedback, critical feedback. Some people are schmoozing up their staff, telling them how great they're doing because, you, you know, you've got to support them. You've got to lift them up. Nothing is a mistake in the first six to 12 months of hiring. And I kind of think that both sides are important. It's vital that you show them what they're doing wrong. Otherwise, how do they know? Is it important that you do it in an empowered way? Certainly at the start, yes. Should you be critical of mistakes at the start? No, as long as they are fulfilling their key result areas and their job description. Um, but if you don't give them continual feedback, they don't know what they don't know. Uh, and some employers um, or managers are maybe a bit lenient and they feel like it might be a bit harsh on the staff member um, and others are too critical and you've got to give that good balance. You've got to guide them. Okay, the fifth thing then, by the way, I've made all these mistakes over and over and over, which is why I'm able to share them. Uh, the next thing is you need to give them a, cl a clear vision for you know, the company and their role and a, a clear career path. So one of the downsides of coming to be employed by my company 10 years ago is we might have had a couple of dozen staff, but we would be deemed as a startup. We would be small. We would be young. And that's risky for a lot of people who've been in a big corporate role with, a, you know, um, maybe a really big redundancy package that they've, they've been given or, you know, or at least you know, three or six months notice um, their pension, their benefits package. And we didn't have any of that at the start. So it's a big risk for people coming to us. So they need to have a clear vision of why we're different, why we're disruptive, why we're unique, why our culture and our values are, are different and interesting and empowering and motivating. And then they need to see a career path. Now, many people who follow me, who watch and listen to my live videos and my podcast, they've probably got quite small organizations. They've probably got a handful of staff or they're just staffing up. And when you don't have many staff, you haven't got that hierarchy, have you, where you've got this career path with CEO, the board, MD, ops manager, and then all these different layers of management. You don't have that. Now, when you go to a big corporate, you can see, oh, there's my career path and there's not my promotion. And then there's the next promotion and there's the next promotion and there's the next promotion. But in a small organization, they can't see that. And I always used to say, look, you stay with us, your career will develop, you'll forge a new role. And some people could see that, but most people can't see what they can't see. And even though I can, because you, know, you the leader of your company, you're hopefully a visionary, you can hopefully see where their career can go. You actually have to map it out for them and you have to show them where they can go from ops manager to MD to CEO to, you know, to chairman or chairwoman. You know, that's four um, different 
and promotions, which might be a 15, 20 year career, you've got to show them that otherwise. Well, look, do you have to show them it immediately? Not to everyone, to some, yes. But at some stage, they are going to need to see growth and progress and career development. Otherwise, they're going to go and get that somewhere else. Okay, the sixth thing that you should do to make sure that you maximize hiring is you need to understand the values of each team member. And then what you do is you meet their values through your company values. Now, too many employers are like, you work for me, I pay you, uh, these are our company values and you should exude them, you should uh, model them. Um, when in reality, every individual has their own values. Now, it's a complete myth, a complete myth that people work for you. No one works for you. Everyone works for themselves. You've got to get that out of your head. If anything, you work for your staff rather than them working for you. Um, and so if you, in your mind, get and understand the fact that no one works for you and everyone works for themselves and everyone has their own set of values, if you can meet the values of your staff members through them delivering the values of your organization, you're onto a winner there. So in the past, I've rewarded people with time off who wanted money. I've rewarded people with bonuses who wanted time off. Um, uh, you know, some people want the title. Some people aren't bothered about the title. Some people, it's all about salary. Some people, it's all about autonomy. Um, some people, it's all about career progression. So you've got to find out what's important to your members of staff and then manage each individual like an individual, not like, a, you know, a, a massive lump of people. Okay, and then the seventh thing, and I'm going to summarize here because I'm told I like the summaries. Um, I've been told I like the summaries. Yes, I tell myself often I like the summaries. I've been told that you, my listeners and followers, like the summaries. And thank you, Carol, for the 200 stars, by the way. You're very kind. Right, the final thing is you've got to consider the cost and the alternatives if you're thinking about letting someone go. Often someone wants to let someone go because in reality they failed the employee, not the other way around. They think that the grass is greener on the other side and someone better will come in. But how do you know that that someone that could come in could be better? They may end up being worse or you may let someone go, um, but you don't actually have any replacement. And I often find someone who's 50, 60 percent um, motivated and committed is actually better than having no staff member at all, unless they're creating a cancer in the culture. And that's different. If someone's creating a cancer within your culture, then, you know, often the only way to get rid of a cancer is to cut it out. And that is certainly true. But if they're just a kind of a bit, they're not really delivering, but they're not really doing any harm, they're getting the job 50 to 60% done. I know this sounds maybe not idealistic, but often that is better than nothing. And you've got to consider the alternatives if you let someone go or fire them or just actually let them go as in they say leave and you say okay without investing time and education and training and money and progress and accountability into them. Now, and again, remember I said the cost. The cost can be 25 grand or higher if you have recruitment fees, onboarding, the, the sales they can't do for the first three to 12 months when they are getting trained and onboarded, the sales they don't do for the last three to 12 months when they're demotivated and looking for another job and just you know, um, going on idle, all of that, um, James Kahn reckons, adds up to about 25 grand. That's what he told me. Okay, so let me summarize them. They say, be slow to hire, quick to fire, and I believe that's one-sided or wrong. I would say the opposite, be quick to hire and slow to fire. And the seven things that people miss when they say, be slow to hire and quick to fire is number one, if you don't give the staff all the resources they need to do a great job, then that's on you, not your staff. Number two, you must onboard them well and show them what to do and where to do it and how to do it and what the processes and procedures and training and feedback and grievance um, and you know, HR and, and all those systems that are important in, in someone's job role and in a company organisation. The third thing is if you onboard them well, you've got to train them even better. Uh, and if you take full and, res full and personal and final responsibility, 
you could say that if your staff member doesn't perform, that's on you not training them well. Now, lots of entrepreneurs say to me, oh, well, I just want someone who can do the job, but then they want to pay us a low salary. If you want someone who can do the job, pay a high salary. Uh, if you want someone who needs to be trained up, who maybe has got potential, but you know they haven't actually got it on their CV, CV you can pay a lower salary, but then you need to invest in training them. And then, and then entrepreneurs say to me, oh, but I'm too busy. Well, if you're too busy to train people to carry the future of your organization, then you're too busy to be an entrepreneur because you can't have 100 staff if you can't manage one staff member. And you can't grow with putting more hours on your plate. You get to 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, and you're at maximum capacity where your quality of work goes down. Whereas if you had 100 staff members doing five hours a day, that's 500 hours a day on you doing two or three hours a day. So time invested in training your staff and leading them and sharing a vision and a culture, that is time invested, not time spent. Never be too busy to do that. And if you are, then you're too busy to grow your organization and you're too busy to keep good staff. Okay, number four is they need continual balanced feedback to grow. You need to let them know what they're doing well so you can edify that behavior. You need to let them know where they made a mistake or they didn't do things according to your values and culture so that they can, they can learn and improve. And that feedback ideally needs to be done in a safe environment. Um, number five then is you need to give them a clear vision of the company and a clear vision of their own career path because if they can't see it then they're going to get disillusioned or they may feel like oh I've got a two three years here and then I'm going to go and leave and find somewhere where I can develop my career. Um, number six is you've got to understand their values. Their values are, are, are right and important to them. No one works for you, everyone works for themselves. And then what you do to motivate them and empower them to do a great job according to their values is you match the company values and their job role and key result areas to their values. And yes, that means you've got to manage them as an individual and not as a department. But if you want to get the most out of your staff, that's the best way to do it. Um, and then number seven, you have to consider the cost of losing a staff member, 25 grand according to James Kahn. And then the alternatives, if you're thinking about letting them go, the alternatives could be you're in a, an employment tribunal. You don't have anyone in, in the role for six months. Um, you might have to pay them a huge amount of money in redundancy. Um, they might have three months notice. You've got to think about all the alternatives. Um, I believe that really growing a team is a lot about um, having a clear vision, caring about people and managing your emotions. One, having a clear vision. Two, caring about people. And three, managing your emotions. And the very rare instances, I say rare just because when we did it in the early days, it was expensive and we learned quickly. But Mark and I have lost our rag. We've lost our emotions. We haven't controlled them with staff members in the past. Thankfully, this was 10, 12 years ago. And each time we lost our cool and our control of our emotions with our staff members, all we did was either create a competitor or created someone who was going to leave or someone who, you know, who wanted to punish us when they left. Um, even though they're being paid by you and they're supposed to work for you, but you can't have that attitude. What you want is empowered staff members. You don't want um, leveraged or blackmailed. And now, of course, you're not blackmailing them physically, but really, if you think about it, someone working for you who doesn't want to work for you, they're only doing it for the paycheck. In a way, that's corporate blackmail. And you don't want people to feel corporately, corporately blackmailed? <laughs> corporate blackmail, yeah. I don't know if that phrase is going to stick. You want them to come into work enjoying themselves. I think, what, half your job, maybe more, is someone comes into to work and most days, because everyone's going to have bad days, everyone's going to have hard jobs, hard roles, um, hard, hard weeks, hard um, seasons, everyone is. And not everyone's going to love every part of their job role, that's naive. But if all in all they enjoy coming to work and on the balance of play, they have more upsides than downsides and they perceive that they get both growth and challenge, but also support and, and, and pleasure then they're gonna stay with you and they won't feel leveraged or controlled or blackmailed. No one wants to feel like that. 
This is why I love the phrase entrepreneur. I like the idea, and I believe we are recruiting many intrapreneurs. Someone with an entrepreneurial mindset or someone who's treated like an entrepreneur, but they have the safety and security of their salary and their paycheck and, you know, and the regular monthly nature of that, which a lot of people want. Uh, cool. Uh, and then you've finally got to make sure that you consider the costs and the implications of letting them go. I don't know if I just covered that, but that's the seven. All right, so I think if people really followed these, um, I believe they would be quicker to hire. They would be slower to train, onboard, um, give them all the resources they need, give them the feedback, give them a clear vision, give them a career path, understand their values, meet their values through the company values, invest in them, train in them, support them. Um, RMD is brilliant at getting to know all of our staff members and knowing all their children's names and their personal lives. And I believe when you employ people, you need to understand what's going on in their personal life as well. Obviously, the, with the information that they allow you to have, don't be nosy. But I think when you understand their whole balanced life, you're a better employee, you're more understanding. Um, and we have a bit of a, a, a mantra or a modus operandi in my company's progressive whereby if someone's got problems at home, go sort it out. If there's something wrong with your parents, if you're having problems with your spouse, if you, you, know, you can't get childcare, if you're having problems at home, just go. Just go, just go, just go. We'll sort it out later. Um, because I believe you've got to see the person as a person, not just as an employee. Cool, so I hope you found that useful. I did actually put a text post out a few days ago um, with this. I believe that being slow to hire and quick to fire is wrong or one-sided. Um, and I, I listed these points out and it created some good debate and some people didn't agree. And so I thought this content might be useful. I hope you find it useful. Um, just to let you know what's coming up soon, by the way, for the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast. Now, by the way, if you listen to the podcast, um, some of this content, yes, does get done on my live videos, but you can also watch my interviews that you listen on the podcast live. You can actually see me interviewing them live and there's exclusive content on my page. I reckon there's only an overlap of one in six to one in seven posts between my Facebook uh, video content and my podcast. So make sure if you're listening to the podcast, you join my page, Rob Moore Progressive. I'm interviewing two billionaires. Um, That's actually tomorrow. Although if you're listening to the episode, it might be in future episodes. Two billionaires on the same day. I don't know if anyone ever has interviewed two billionaires on the same day. Maybe they have, but I don't know anyone who has. Um, and also, um, you may have noticed if you watch my videos that I did this quite funky offer on my stars. So I was one of the first 20 people in the world to get the stars feature, which is where you, as a receiver of my content, um, can purchase stars. They're not very expensive. Um, and then you can donate them to me. Uh, now, nine, 19 of the 20, i.e. everyone else but me, when they were using these stars, were asking people to donate to them for their cause or because, you know, they're a hard up content creator or to support them because um, that's really what they were designed for. But I don't think anyone really wants to give me stars to make me more money because they know I'm a multimillionaire already. So I couldn't really use that angle. But what I've been doing is um, don't you donate stars to get a shout out on my live videos for your business, your brand, your podcast, your website. Um, your Facebook group, your Facebook page, the book you're launching, anything. You can get one-to-one calls with me for star donations, though I do these periodically, not regularly. Um, I offered um, for a small stars donation, you could go on, uh, send me a video and be put on my story on my page for a whole day. And my page has 145,000 followers. Um, and then just recently, what I've done for stars is um, if you donate stars to me on my page, I'll do a shout out on my podcast on this podcast which has millions of downloads and subscribers um, for your product or your service so i'm doing some quite funky things on my page 
Instead of just use, using big companies to pay me ad revenue, I'm trying to get you, my listeners, my fans, my followers, my community members involved where you can pay just a few pounds here and a few dollars there via stars and you can get opportunities to get you, yourself, your personal brand and your business promoted to millions ultimately of people and downloads and views and subscribers across all my channels. So make sure you're following me on my Rob Moore Progressive Facebook page where I do these from time to time. I love you all. Thanks for following my work. And remember this, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.